Good day, L.A., and welcome to another episode of To Live and Buy in L.A. How do you know what I was going to say? I feel like we're finishing each other's sentences. My co-host, Ben... Bellack. I didn't think you were going to get that one. I am Zach Goldsmith. Welcome. Today, we are going to jump right in to what I think is the hottest topic going on outside of Twitter in the U.S. economy right now. And that is the surprise meltdown of our banking system. Don't go crazy. Not the entire banking system, but there's a shakeup of the seismic <laughs> plates here. Um, some say it was inevitable. Okay, well, welcome back crypto sooner than later. Sure. <laughs> Crypto's back. <laughs> As for now, we are in a financial crisis. And we kind of need to understand what the is going on here, right? I mean, yeah. it's scary to some. So I think we take them down. Let's run through what happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. What could happen next as a result, where that puts the macro real estate market, where that puts the Los Angeles real estate market, how, how it affects us here. And, you know, I love to end with what opportunities this could mm. bring because there inevitably will be some Benjamin. I mean, yo, it, there, it, there are opportunities, right, in every market. And I think people forget that. There are opportunities in everything that happens, good or bad. So, oh, deep. Yeah. Well, that'll be the next episode. But for now, <laughs> let's stick to banking. Um, so, why don't we? Run yeah, let's through. go through like a rundown of the last few weeks. Love it. Let's okay. go date by date. Okay. So, March eighth, uh, Silicon Valley Bank announces it raised five hundred million from General Atlantic and plans uh, for a one point two five billion common stock sale plus another five hundred million dollars of depository shares. That that's a there's a giant bank in one aspect for perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are they are this or were the 16th largest bank in the US, but they only had 16 branches, which should tell all of you they're super niche. I mean, imagine um needing to pull cash out and trying to find an ATM <laughs> and there's only 16 of them from the 16th largest bank. So, definitely a niche bank with their own risk tolerance and their own business model. Yeah, and that business model is basically uh, the tech game, the tech world, venture capitalists, angel investors. That whole world was invested there. They were invested in them. Yeah, and it's startups. all relying upon startups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move down the list to March 9th. What happened on March 9th? When markets opened, this is fascinating to me, SVB's stock fell 30% mm -hmm. and eventually down to 60% that day. Mm -hmm. And a growing number of VCs and startups started to pull their money out of the bank. By the end of the day, customers had initiated $42 billion in withdrawals. Is that not insane? That is the largest bank run in history. That's like the modern day Bunny and Clyde. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, <laughs> oh, they're robbed by their own customers in this analogy you're making? They rob the customers, so it's a little backward. <laughs> yeah. Clyde and Bunny. Yeah, so so yes, it, that's about 25% of their holdings, and... Just so everyone understands in this uh, explanatory episode, um, no bank can survive a bank run. And a bank run is simply defined when a large mass of a bank's customers makes withdrawals simultaneously. Look, I, I think it just to dumb it down really quickly, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think I thought for years until like a week ago that you put your money in a bank and it just sits in a safe. Yes, in a safe. <laughs> right? Ebenezer Scrooge it, is like It's actually, in. yeah, right. But it's actually, aside from that, that's uh, Hogwarts, uh, Gringotts. 
That's the bank in uh, Harry Potter. You mm. would, yeah, I don't have kids. Uh, <laughs> some adults read it anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't just sit in a safe. Obviously, there's assets versus liabilities with three different basic classifications, right? Mm-hmm. You you either you either buy it and they they hold to maturity, like all these bonds that got them in trouble. So there's like a five year period they can't sell it, or they're available for sale and they have to buy out that maturity and then it costs them a lot of money, mm-hmm. or they take your money and they're ready to trade it the next day, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that's what basically happens when you put money in a bank. They're making these decisions and they made some decisions that didn't work out for them. That's right. So let's go back to March 10th because that's interesting. After the huge withdrawal, what happened the next day? The U.S. regulators took control of the bank Friday morning and they shut it down. On March 12th, the U.S. government announced it would backstop all SVP deposits. Yeah. Not with taxpayer money, by the way. I mean, I, I guess not. it's the final backstop, but not in this case. Right, right. So regulators shut down Signature Bank in New York, mm-hmm. citing systematic risk. We talked about that. I start getting worried when banks like First Republic stock plunge 60%. And that's a lot of our clients' money is in First Republic. We have money in deals in First Republic. Yeah, In LA, they give like a lot of new construction loans. And also there was like a photo circulating around the internet of on San Vicente in oh, Brentwood. The li- There's like a line outside of people ready to make withdrawals. It, it was felt wild. like World War II. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like really, that photo got around. Yeah. I thought it was AI, but it was sent from my mom. So it couldn't be. Um, <laughs> so that happens to a bank like First Republic here in California, here in LA, here mm-hmm. in this market. It gets tense. Shit got Tense, yeah, so March right? 16th, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen reassured Congress that the U.S. banking system is sound. Uh, 11 banks inject $30 billion of deposits into First Republic Bank as a show of confidence as it spent the week trying to avoid the same fate of Silicon Valley Bank. Well, that didn't work too well because the next day, SVB filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then two days later, UBS right. buys Credit Suisse for $3.2 billion as regulators look to shore up the global banking system. Well, okay, look, it's that's a lot of headlines, but we thought it was important to cover it. But I think we should back up for a second here to make sure that our viewers and our listeners really understand how the banks work. I want to back up a second just to make sure that like our viewers, listeners um, kind of understand how the banks work. I mean, they really are the world's longest running um, Ponzi scheme where basically Zach makes his commission check, he puts it in the bank, and then they loan me that money to go buy a house, and they charge me a fee to take on that risk that I may default on that loan. That fee is the interest rate, of course. Um, now, the, the Fed- difference in Ben's commission, what you're not getting apart, that story is they don't just take mine at the teller. We have to sit down. We do a whole private banking thing. Yours, mm. I'm sure they could just take it at ATM window. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, go so, on. so, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> super uh, helpful anecdote there. So, <laughs> so basically what happens is the Federal Reserve requires that all banks keep a certain level of cash on hand. Right. So because they make money loaning it, they then they take loans from the Federal Reserve at a rate that is the federal fund rate. So that rate is then passed on to consumers as well as to businesses. So as you'd expect, when they want to slow down spending, they raise the rate. Or if they want to speed up and 
the economy like they did during the pandy, they lower rates. So that's right. They're the puppet masters. Yeah, they they are. And and it's good that there's this regulatory body in place because otherwise um the inflation would be through the roof where the dollar, you know, we'd see like $10,000 bills not worth anything. So anyway, the the last piece that I want to say the $2 bill no, no, it'd be like the other way around. Yeah, I know. It'd be yeah. Like, yeah, that's what it'd become. So, but but what I want to say here is that a lot of people get confused, particularly in a volatile time right now, where they see that rates go up. That does not mean a hundred percent of the time, although it can mean it a lot of the time. That just because the Fed fund rate goes up doesn't mean mortgage rates go up. That's true. That's true. Okay, so that's a great explanation, by the way, of of the system and how we are controlled. Uh, but I agree, it does need. We do need some uh, regulation. So moving back to housing, okay? okay. Housing makes up a majority of the health of our economy. Agree or disagree? Yes, huge piece of it because a large piece of people spending every month is on their shelter, whether it's a lease or uh, something they own. They're going to pay to keep a roof over their head. That's right. Okay, so let's look back at Q3 and Q4 of last year, right? It seemed that the Fed was targeting to create a much-needed slowdown to inflation, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, targeting housing. Targeting housing. So rates changed. So the rates went up. Yes. Okay, to control the economy in that sector. I think at the beginning of this year, and maybe you and I see it a little differently, I think at the beginning of this year, those rates went down enough. I know they didn't go down significantly. They went down enough to cause a jolt in the market. I do think it was newsworthy that we had for the first time three weeks of consecutive rate drops, which there is easy for real estate agent professionals as well as the media to get behind um, a, a three-week consecutive drop. Because that, that felt enough. They're like, we're back. Yeah, but that felt enough to jolt the market, and we had a lot of activity, a ton of activity. People jumped right back in, from my experience. So, I mean, isn't there always a post-holiday surge, though? You, yeah, but this was a late post. I mean, uh, mo- I, I've heard very late. I've heard real estate agents be like, "See you next year," like December tenth before. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think that's a device of consumers traveling or shutting it down or whatever it may be. And then the ones that are in the market, they pick back up January 10th. And coincidentally, around that time, it was easy to assign these three consecutive rate drops to, you know, we're back. I mean, who knows? We're in a volatile situation. That's just, I'm just giving you my perspective. You're worried about change. You like things the way they are, the way they should be. You want Christmas to come every year, don't you? I just don't believe we're going (laughs) through change in the way that everyone's reporting. Okay. Well, the rates adjusted, and yeah. they adjusted again in March of this year, right? Yes. Fed starting raising rates again. Yes. Because we have been unable to put inflation yeah. back in the bottle. The yeah. genie will not fit back in the bottle. Yeah, too big. He is too, too fat. She, he, they are too big. <laughs> Don't refer. The genie is, they are oh too big to fit God. back in the bottle. However, when we saw the 16th largest bank go under, mm-hmm. this worried you. The Fed learned, on one hand, it didn't really affect housing. Yeah, why? Low inventory. Boom. Has been protecting prices. Mm Mm-hmm. But it could certainly crash markets like banking. Yes, which would uh, have way bigger implications. 100%. So, backing up again. Yeah. We're fine. 
the uh, stock of SVB was up at its 52 week high to something like six hundred dollars, five ninety seven uh-huh. or something, and then it dropped to a hundred. Yikes! That seems like crashing until it crashed, right? Uh-huh. So we say that it didn't really affect, but there was a Newsweek article that I sent you mm-hmm. last week. Yeah, um, I remember that that said the collapse of this bank will rock California's rock. housing market. <laughs> And see prices bottom out. I don't know that you agree. I don't know that I agree. All I'm saying but is Oscar Wee you, agrees because he's the deputy chief uh-huh. economist. You know who he is mm-hmm. of the California Association of Realtors. And he told Newsweek that the same bank failures have spread contagion to the wider banking sector. Uh-huh. Remember, he shook things up and that, that was a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that could actually help the housing market. To your point. I just think that if we have interest rates now stalled because of what it could mean, I think the high net worth buyers who were like waiting for a crash, now they have confidence that we're not going to see one. I think that interest rates will probably remain somewhere in the sixes all year. And while I think six-ish percent doesn't necessarily unlock a lot of inventory, keeps pricing flat, and then we remain in this environment where we have a massive push from millennials to buy. And as I've said a thousand times, 60% of homeowners in this country have an interest rate of 3% or better. So I just don't see how those people are going to be so quick to move. I agree. It just comes back to the inventory in Mm -hmm. the market unless all these banks crash. But they're solvent. Most of these banks are solvent. They were insolvent in 2006, 7, 8, and people also were upside down in their houses. This is not that time. Okay, so okay, so let me just run through a quick scenario. So last week, or a couple weeks ago, I had a buyer intake with an agent on my team, right? And then, like, 10 days later, they're like, we want this house. They had to go up 200000 from one five to one seven to compete the seven competing offers. My listing at the top of Tiger Tail on Brentwood, which needs... I'm sorry, in Brentwood, which needs a little bit of work, but has a 10 plus 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 view, $5 million range is appropriately priced and now up under contract for the appropriate price. My listing for 12 and a half on the sand in Manhattan Beach, now all of a sudden getting all these showings. And this is a relaunch. This was not a new, 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 new listing. So, I mean, we're seeing action. We're definitely seeing action. action and across. Now, granted, the ultra high end, those spec houses, they're probably getting forced to come down. But I think for the vast majority of our price points, we're seeing action again, low inventory. Yeah, we're seeing, you know, what's wild about this is we're seeing a lot of action. I'm also seeing a handful of properties not move at all, not get showings, not get touched. North of Sunset. North of Sunset. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Well, what are you attributing that to? Well, I think that in LA, we don't have a ton of wealth like other metropolitan cities do, like New York, San Francisco. We just like don't have industry. We had aerospace, which left in the 70s, and now we have entertainment. We got Hollywood, baby. Yeah, but aside from like Oprah, Bezos, Spielberg, Geffen, entertainment people. Katzenberg, Murphy. I mean, you could go down the list. They don't have a ton of money respectively. So in what I feel like in our current marketplace, once you get north of $4 million, this is a dual income buyer for most Angelinos. And those dual income buyers generally want a family configuration in house and neighborhoods. So Mm -hmm. north of Sunset, 
where we have vertical houses and not what I just described, think they're starting to get beat up a little bit. And that's further east. Hollywood Hills more than BHPL, Bel Air, because north of Sunset, they're bigger. But they're being affected because you got a lot of bigger properties with bigger price tags. Those will be affected first. And I agree, while we don't have major industry here outside of Hollywood, Mm -hmm. um, we we are the biggest melting pot in the world, one of the top metropolitan cities in totally. the world. So we get a lot of that. We we kind of dismiss that need, need for the dual income. We get foreign buyers. I'm seeing a lot more foreign buyer pickup right now. I feel you, but I do think that, it, th- again, this is just my opinion. I think that is a device of the time of year. And I think as it becomes less and less desirable um, from a financial aspect to live here, particularly the taxes we pay, um, and some of the other things we're dealing with, like homelessness and crime, I think we're going to see less and less people coming here um, from other places, other states, other countries. And particularly those are the people that buy North of Sunset because that Hollywood dream is like that big view house, that big triple decker modern. Yeah, 100%, even though we agree about 50% of that because I still think that will not end. People will come here, industry or not, people will come for all the factors we've previously mentioned on multiple episodes, how great this state is, how great this city is, and how effed up it is at the same time. But we are here to make it better. So let's summarize. I, I want to know from your from your perspective yeah. where the opportunities will come in all of this when everything shakes out. Okay, so I really do think still, because we're in an overheated market, the interest rate is very important. I think that at 7% or a version of it, right, demand goes away. I think at 6%, the pent-up demand feels confident coming back to the market. I think at 5%, we'd free up inventory. So um, I think my parting advice is is not rocket science. Um, I think that stop looking for pockets, stop looking for coming soons, stop looking for make-me-move prices. The homes that have been on the market for 60, 90, 120 a year, you should be attacking those. 100% without expectations and see what if someone will do a deal with you. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think the I think where we see the uh people with the loans and the banks that have got hit the hardest, those are properties to track mm-hmm. and days on market, the ones that have been on for a long time, you combine those two forces, you go after those. That's where the perceived deals will come. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see you going wrong by Lowballing offers. I think we're going to see a lot more lowball offers mm-hmm. moving forward. You know what? I, you know what I love is. Sorry to interrupt you. You just spot like made me think of something. Is the reverse bidding war, where buyers oh, we could see that yeah, they start it. submitting offers and they're like, we're submitting to five houses. They're not married to any of them, and whoever gives us the best deal is the one we're going to buy. Um, I really love that. But I th- I know this sounds crazy to say the word deal in the same sentence because like, who are we and what is this world that we live in? But I really think the deals are from like five to nine million. Those are the ones where you can get the best sales price to list price ratio in your favor, particularly in the Sunset Strip. We just did a couple north of 20 that were, I thought, sick deals. Mm. And I think if you look at the grand scheme of things, the deals will come from staying power. The longer you can hold on to these things, the more they will appreciate whatever this next period of turmoil Mm -hmm. brings us. You find one of these that have been sitting, you go aggressively after it, but respectfully, I think like in you're going to be sitting on a gold mine. Mm-hmm. A lot of these LA properties because we are coming back and we never left. <laughs> we took a vacation. I think we did it. 
I think that people totally understand. You brought us in. Exactly take us Exactly what's happening in the banking sector now. <laughs> and uh, I've enjoyed that episode. I learned a lot from you. And I think uh, nice. I learned a lot from myself. I didn't know. So did I. <laughs> from me? I learned a lot about you, too, in this, in this episode. <laughs> a lot about me. <laughs> Not banking as much, but me. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much for spending more time with us. This was uh, a f- episode that was, I think, a little more fun than I expected. Uh, I love talking banking. I am Zach Goldsmith, 24. You are at ben Benjamin Bellack. Buttons. Oh, what at are you? Ben, at Ben Bellack. At Ben Bellack, at Zach Goldsmith, 24. This has been another episode of To Live and Buy in LA. Please enjoy our city and please be respectful.